Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. Llegó el gol de Olivier Giroud. Marca el Arsenal. Marca Olivier Giroud. Gol de los Gunners. This is Arscast Extra. Hello there and welcome to another Arscast Extra, the final one of a week of Arscast Extras with James from Gunner Blog. Goodly morning to you. Goodly morning. This is it. We're on the home straight. Yeah. Our friends and family are lined up along the the road and our knees are hurting but we're gonna power on ticker tape parade and all that exactly why why are our knee knees hurting oh like it's, it's a been marathon a long way that's a like marathon, a marathon. Ah, yeah. i see or or in my case you know as discussed on monday anything over 5k anything yeah. over 5k knees will be hurting an awful lot yeah well look we're here and it's friday it's a beautiful day outside here at least anyway the sun is shining birds are singing actually do you know what i did i just put some old bread on the shed out the back and Come i on. i cre- it's like you live in a book or something <laughs> i created a war between birds it was really weird Oh, it's less idyllic than it sounds. Yeah, it was quite scary, actually. I ran inside. So I was throwing the bread on top of the flat roof shed we have out the back, and I noticed some gulls beginning to circle, and then I was like, oh, there's quite a lot of them. And then I was going, wow, there's about 75 gulls just circling, waiting for me to go away so they could get on top of the shed and eat the bread. Um, so I went inside. The gulls all landed going, doing gull noises. They're sort of flapping at each other, which is terrible. A couple of little starlings came down then to get the the crumbs that they'd left. They were chased off by uh, some magpies who came in swooping at them and the starlings took off. And then the gulls were all sort of hovering around. It was like a scene from Star Wars, except uh, instead of spaceships and TIE fighters, it was various sizes of birds. And it it was awful. I mean, it sounds good, to be honest. I would have enjoyed it. Gulls, I think, are among the most evil of all animals. Yeah, absolutely. Dinosaur-looking fuckers. I don't like birds in general, I have to say. I'm not a fan. I mean, nah, they, they are kind of creepy-looking. But I think gulls... Anyone who's had a gull sort of dive-bombing for their chips on Brighton Pier will know how malicious they can be. Yeah. And the sound they make. Think of the sound. <laughs> like, that's the sound of an animal with no love in its heart. That is a pretty exceptional gull impression. Thank you. Shall I do it again? Yeah, do it. <laughs> it's not bad, is it? It's pretty good. Look, you know, you've got a you've I've got, got a career here ahead of you, I think. You've got to use what skills you've got. Yeah. They, and they, people feel sorry for them. They're sort of, you know, when they're in oil slicks and stuff like that, they say, oh, it's sad. But I think they're so cruel and manipulative, they're probably just using that to disguise themselves as crows, covering themselves in, <laughs> in black tar so they can creep up on us unsuspected, unannounced. Yeah, they can get on the inside, take us down from the inside. Exactly. I've got issues with girls. I'm not happy with them. Yeah, seriously. But look, in fairness to your career, 
career as the UK's foremost gull impersonator begins right here. Exactly. I know that the, the people who make all the gull impersonation films will be out there listening and they're thinking, finally, we found that man that we need. We can save all that money on CGI and voiceover effects. We can just hire this guy. Yeah. I, I, can, I can look like a gull if needs be as well. Well, that's pretty impressive too. So uh, I'm sure if Steven Spielberg is uh, listening, mm-hmm. he'll be the man to uh, to take you up on that. Me and Steven Seagal. Um, <laughs> I, in the new Steven Spielberg oh, film. Oh, brilliant. Uh, I did you hear about? Did you see my tweet last night about my bath? No, I missed that. Uh, well, it was on my James McNicholas account rather than my Gunner account. I tried to have a relaxing bath because I've got this bad back, and um, basically, my flatmate told me that she had this kind of like red salt that's something to do with like muscle relaxant or something like that. Oh, Epsom I poured salts. it in the bath. Yeah. yeah, I don't know, but I poured it in the bath, and it just looks like I've murdered a prostitute in there. Genuinely, right? Uh, it, it's don't worry. The picture, the picture I posted is not of me in the bath. It's just of the bath water, but it looks like something terrible's happened. Right? It's like a, it's like the bedroom in Making a Murderer or something oh. like that. <laughs> Awful. I'm, so, gonna, I'm just going to have a look at this now. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is genuinely quite disturbing. I feel like I have. And also, there was something else in the salts, which seems to have come to the surface, like a load of dead flies. Ah, oh my goodness, yeah. Mm. Uh, Yeah, I wouldn't get in there. More horrifying than relaxing. Certainly, that is not where you would want to spend any time, really. No. I'm not mad for baths either, I have to say. Is it the sort of hygiene thing? Is it that you feel that you're in your own dirt? Yeah, sort of. Sort of, but then I get bored after. The, the, the concept of it is fine, isn't it? You go, oh, this would be relaxing. I'm going to lie here in the bath. That would be great. Oh, it's going to be so hot and warm and lovely, and I'll just lie here. And then after about two minutes, you're going, uh, I'm pretty, pretty bored now. Will I bring yeah. a book? Oh, shit, I've dropped my book in the bath, and now my book is all soaked oh, that goes with that wet. weird, wobbly way, the book. Mm. You, you know when books have been wet and they go yeah. all weird afterwards? I uh, I think also it's a lot of work to you know shower you just turn it on and bath, stand there prepare it. it yeah it's like you've got to just it's like you've got to cook a bath before you can have it yeah I prefer a shower it's more like a takeaway yeah absolutely yeah and it's healthier I think a shower is healthier which is better for the environment I don't know depends how long you shower for if you shower for ages and ages and ages and you're using up loads of water then. Maybe the shower, but, but as a rule, I think showers are better, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Quick in okay. and out. You don't have to spend ages in there. Although I'm terrible, I need at least three three rinses. Just really, to, yeah, yeah. Wow. You get the first one, and that's like whatever. Then you have a second one. Right, I'm pretty clean now. And then the third one is just well, it's warm in the shower and it's cold outside of the shower. So I'll stay in the shower and excuse. Uh, make an excuse for staying in by saying I want to be super clean. So I see, I see. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I shower fast. Get in, get out. All right. Always thinking of the environment, guys. Okay, so okay, right. Friday the thirteenth. Is it? Yes, it was the scariest Friday thirteenth of all. When I woke up this morning to the headline on the back of the Times. Well, here's the thing mm. about that. I don't know. Did you watch the press conference? Did you see the press conference? I've watched this it, but I've uh, followed it. Right. Followed okay. It. So here, we might as well play this. The the story in the Times is that Arsene Wenger set to be offered a new two-year deal by the club. The club have said they want a decision by October. 
because if he's not staying, then they need to make contingency plans, mm. um, et cetera, et cetera. So, I mean, not terribly surprising. We know that Stan Kroenke loves Arsene Wenger, um, and people were like, oh, my God, new deal. Oh, this is terrible, blah, blah, blah. So he was asked about it in his press conference today, and I'm going to play the clip, the first clip, uh, that we're going to hear. This is uh, the Sky reporter, Nick Thingamijigamiwatsit. That's mm. his um, full name, uh, being asked about it. So uh, here, here, here we go. You've still got one year left on your contract. There are reports that you're to be offered a, a two-year extension to That's that. completely wrong, and I don't know where this information comes from. And uh, you can treat that as just an invention and uh, one more, but uh, it's... Absolutely false. Okay. Um, and I would like uh, this press to check these information before they give it out because they could have checked with the club or with myself and would have denied it both. So. There we go. What do you reckon to that? I mean, that's that's pretty emphatic. We've had, we've had almost exactly this before, haven't we, where a story came out about a possible extension and he was very angry about it. Yeah. He said, this is made up and you know why you're doing this. Was that just before the last deal? Could well have been, all right. I can't quite remember, but I do know I do know what you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm going to sort of vaguely look. I mean, it's, it does seem... It makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, when you... I read your blog this morning. When, when it came out, mm. you know, inevitably, I'm sure, all across the sort of Arsenal fan base, there would have been a kind of... A touch of despair because, you know, things are quite strained with the manager at present and it would have been a very controversial move to hand him an extension at this time. I guess what you have to try and weigh up is what whatever's going on behind the scenes, it's in his interest to deny it at this stage, right? Yeah, I would say so. He's not going to come out and say, yeah, they're, they're giving me a new deal. Isn't it great? He, he He's aware of the public mood. There's no question about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I do wonder. I do wonder what the thinking of the story from the Times was, mm. or where the information from that story or for that story came from. You can only think that it's come from within the club, right? Mm. That a source close to Cronky has let this information uh, be known to to the journalists in question at the Times. And what the motive for that might be, I guess, is it perhaps putting a little bit of pressure on Arsene Wenger? I don't know. I mean, it's a strange one, isn't it? Um, I, I think... Uh, I don't know why it would be. I, I wonder if it's to do with the fact that... Is, is it anything connected to the next season, plans for next season? You know, wanting to give incoming players a sense that there's some stability at the club if they are going to go and spend a lot of money? Yeah, yeah. Or is it trying to force, as you say, force a manager's hand into a decision that allows them a bit more planning? Okay, well, look, here's here's a second clip from the press conference. And this was a clip, uh, this was a question from James Olley uh, from the Evening Standard. And he asked him about whether or not the his position, etc., with only one year left on his deal, whether that would have an impact uh, in the summer. So here we go. Here's the second clip. Mm. I know you've knocked down the, the contract story. Will it will it make it harder to sign players if they don't know whether you're going to be here beyond the end of next season? I don't think so. I hope not. 
Have you decided what you will do privately beyond the end of next year? No. What will determine that? I uh, don't think. I think uh, what I focus is to respect my contract and after envisage what I will do after. You know, I uh, can understand that people are interested in that, but that's not the most important. I uh, think I've uh, uh, extended my contract at the period where it was vital for the club, and uh, after that I will see where I am personally and as well where the club stands at the end of my contract. So, just to sort of rephrase that slightly, it will be what happens next season will determine whether you stay on. That's our, our of course, that's, uh, yeah, you sum it up very well. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of things stuck out for me there. The mm. first thing that um, that struck me was when he was asked if his uncertainty about his future might impact on the ability to bring in players this summer and he said I hope not now before we got to the end of the the contract or the end of that little bit of audio when I heard that in real time I was thinking oh right that sounds like a man who who perhaps isn't necessarily thinking about extending his contract but then we obviously went on yeah and then we went on and the, the the talk is what happens next season will be what decides his future. So if, for example, we have another season like this where people are going absolutely bananas because we haven't competed properly, well, then that decision becomes obvious. But mm. if we buy well this summer and if we if we have a good season, if we if I know it's a big if, if we win the league, perhaps then he might stay. So it's all, it's all up in the air. I mean, do you get the sense that perhaps at the at board level, they're a little concerned about the uncertainty? Maybe that would make a lot of sense. I mean, it sounds like what Arsenal's envisaging is basically 2013-14 all over again. You know, the season where his contract was due to expire last time and uh, it ran right until, well, the end of the season, didn't it? His, his, con- his contract was in two months of ending mm. before they announced an extension. You know, when exactly it was agreed upon in principle is anybody's guess. I suspect it was somewhat earlier. Mm. But uh, it sounds like he's envisaging that kind of situation playing out again. The problem, of course, for the board in that is that if he decides he doesn't want to extend, they're left in the lurch somewhat. So maybe they would like a bit more certainty. As regards bringing players in, it's worth remembering that that last season of his contract last time is the summer where we signed Meza Ozil. So, you know, clearly it wasn't a barrier to him in mm. terms of uh, joining the club. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is as well the thought that this summer more than ever, that there's so much money available to Arsene Wenger. There's so much money in the bank for him to spend. There's so much opportunity out there in terms of uh, players who could add something to this team. There, there are the requirements, of course, because so many players are, are leaving or potentially leaving the club this summer. Uh, the squad has got to be strengthened. Um, is there the sense that, okay, well, do you give a guy a load of money to spend and then only allow him a year to spend it or a year to deal with those players. So if he brings in four or five players this summer and buggers off after a year, I mean, it doesn't seem like a a strategic thing to do. So maybe there's a bit of pressure on him uh, to commit early (laughs) 
so that they can then have that stability when it comes. I don't know. I mean, I'm just throwing things out there because when you yeah. look at it from a from a purely footballing point of view, the justification for offering him a new deal, which of course he's you know come out and said is is completely false, um, isn't there. So it's all a bit bit of a weird one, right? It seems like to me, it seems like the the, the Times journalists have been fed this story from within the club to basically put pressure on Arsene Wenger. The more you look at it, the more that's what it seems like. But what kind of pressure do you think? Pressure to do what? To to Pre- to, to commit. make a decision? Yeah. 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 Well, that's very possible. That's very possible. So so you think the board would sanction an extension at this point? Yeah. And I don't think that he is necessarily sold on it or can publicly say that he is anyway because he's aware of the mood. Like, he can't come out now and say, yeah, I'm going to sign a a new contract because there would literally be an explosion. People's heads would blow off the top of their shoulders. If in two months' time, what date is it today? It's the 12th of May. Let's Mm. say we're sitting here the 12th of July and pre-season has started and the European Championships are over and we've brought in... Granite Xhaka and we've brought in uh, a top class striker and we've brought in a good wide player and we've added to the squad, added some real quality to the squad. Does that not strike you as a much more cromulent time for him to put pen to paper or at least announce that? I think right now he's not willing to do that because he knows how it would be received. He's not a stupid man. I mean, we had all this before. I hate to keep harking back, but as I recall, in 2013-14, we started the season pretty well. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, Ozil signed. It felt like a, a new era had begun. Around October time, we were title contenders, potentially. And it seemed like the uh, optimum point at which he should sign and or announce a new contract. He then didn't. Things fell apart somewhat uh, in the second half of the season and only the FA Cup kind of saved him. So mm. the timing of... The timing of his decision about whether to stay or not is going to be absolutely integral to our to our season next year. You know, and, yeah. And I do think it's a really really tricky one. I, my gut is that if if there are signs of progress, both he and the board will want him to continue. Mm. But yeah, how I mean, I think those signs of progress is the is the problem. Well, that's it. That's it. Um... <sighs> It's quite a weird situation, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We've we've been over this many times, but I find it increasingly difficult to envisage a scenario where he feels comfortable walking away. Like, uh, what what do you think he would need from the next few months in order to commit? I don't really know because I suppose what people want to see, A, given that this season is over, we're playing Villa on Sunday and that's it, done and dusted. What they want to see is a show of genuine ambition from the club in terms of what they do in the transfer market this summer. They'd like to see uh, some measure of ruthlessness from Arsene Wenger in terms of what he does with the players who are there who have been underachieving or who haven't quite been able to get us further than we've uh, been able to go, right? So... I think that's what we need to see as fans. That's all we can see during the off-season, isn't it? Because until the football starts again, until we see the team play again in a competitive way, I don't mean a preseason where we coast through some games and look very nice, makes no difference. 
preseason is about fitness and really that's about all um, but once the once the the important games kick off once the Premier League kicks off once the Champions League kicks off how we perform in those competitions is going to be how people react so if mm. you can if you can have a good summer in the transfer market if you can if you genuinely look like you're giving it a go uh, when people view the purchases and they don't have to be all 50 60 million pound purchases they just got to be good players doesn't matter really what they cost. If they're good players and we see them play well, that will help mend some fences. I don't think it, it'll be enough to um, to change uh, people's minds to, to an extent. I mean, I think there's a lot of people, obviously, who want him to leave now. And there are a lot of people who know that he's not going to leave now, but are prepared to uh, to back him for the final season, given that his contract is, um, is going to run out next summer and yeah. I think after that people are, are willing uh, or, or very much uh, wanting to, to see change so it's it's really it's a really difficult situation I think I, th- I think uh, the thing ugh, the thing that would unite the fans most I suspect would be if Arsene Wenger came out and said this is my final season oh yeah okay so what happens then though if if Arsene Wenger comes out this summer and says this is going to be my final season at Arsenal a does that impact transfer business mm-hmm. because players do like a measure of stability. They do like that. Um, when they join a club, they want they know they want to know that they're going to be working with a manager for X amount of time because you're brought into a club by a manager because he likes you. When the next manager comes in, maybe he won't like you, and all of a sudden you don't have that stability. So that's A, mm-hmm. and then B, is there not an element of dead man walking or is that do we overplay that for example if you look at what happened with let's say Bayern Munich uh, and who was the guy yeah. there before uh, Guardiola Jupp uh, Heynckes yeah. yeah everyone knew that he was going to be gone they knew he was leaving and Guardiola was coming in from probably November December of the previous year they knew that was going to happen and he won a treble Guardiola is leaving Bayern Munich now, having won the Bundesliga, and everybody knew that that he was going to go. Now, of course, it's not a really competitive league at the moment, uh, the Bundesliga. Uh, but so maybe do we overplay that side of things? Well, I wonder. I mean, Alex Ferguson was always the example cited in in England, wasn't he? Of you know someone who said they were going to go, and he felt it impacted upon the performances of his players. Um, yeah, maybe we, maybe if Arsene Wenger says that, maybe we won't win the league next year. Maybe we won't win it, even if he doesn't say it. So, mm. I'm not sure. I think we probably do exaggerate it. I think the point about stability for players is a good one. But as I said, you know, Mesut Özil signed when Arsenal had just one year remaining on his deal and was in genuine jeopardy of going. I think at a couple of points. Um, I, uh, you know, I think in terms, I, I'm talking purely in terms of the supporters. I think that would everybody would surely get on board with that and sort of want him to have the best possible season for his final season at the club. As it is, I think the doubt is actually quite unhealthy and creates quite a lot of conflict. Yeah. But I don't for a second foresee that happening. No, I can't either, to be honest. Um, Yeah. Just interesting, just when we were talking about the last deal, uh, January 2014... Um, Ivan Gazidis said Arsene will be extending with us and at the right time we'll announce it that was January 2014 he didn't commit until after the FA Cup final isn't that right? that was when it was announced yeah at the end of the season yeah 
But whether or not it was all signed and sealed before that, who knows? Yeah. But he certainly denied publicly that it was. Mm. Uh, from back then as well, again in January 2014, talking about uh, rumours of a new deal, um, he said uh, there is a point where you have to decide and there is a point where you have to make your decision public. So, so it does sound as if he had made his mind up before... Certainly before we knew about it. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think that he had made his mind up and that he did want to stay, but I also think that had we lost the FA Cup final, he would have gone. Right. So that that impediment is not there this time, and there's still uh, a year to go on his his current deal. But, yeah, I take your point about the... um, about the uncertainty that's created because of the doubt about what he's going to do. Uh, and how how the fans might react if if we knew that it was going to be his last season. But I think what we can take from today's comments is that, A, he's not prepared to open up that can of worms or that shitstorm, but B, that all going well, he and the board would like him to stay. I think that's yeah. that's the bottom line, isn't it? I think it is the bottom line. I think that's what we take away from the Times report and... Mm. I think it's there in his comments as well. If, if Arsenal fare well enough next season, I think he will continue. Mm. Um, and it's uh, a tricky one, tricky one for fans, obviously, because I think this season there's been quite a strong swing towards people thinking maybe it is time for a change in the managerial department. But I suppose if anything can change that, it's the way the club behaves over the summer. Sure, sure. Uh, he wasn't even asked about transfers today. Which is remarkable. There was nothing. He, he was the... asked about a striker potentially if he was thinking of bringing in a striker. Oh yeah, that that was a good quote actually. Um, he said, "Does Danny Welbeck's injury?" James Ollie again asking, "Does Danny Welbeck's injury change your summer transfer plans at all?" He said, "It's a good question. We have to think about that. When a player is out for nine months, you have to consider that it's a season, basically. So he's talking mm. about you know the nine months out and the recovery time." So he's pretty much written off Welbeck for next season. And he says, and that makes you short on the striker front. There we go. Mm. But then he also said today that he thinks Theo Walcott will stay at the club, didn't he? Mm. So Yeah. But he often says that about players who he's quite prepared to let go. I want to keep yes, them. They're going to be here next season, blah, 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 for various reasons. Ones that he doesn't want to let go, but also ones that he's quite prepared to let go. So uh, I don't think if you're going into a summer where perhaps you're thinking about selling Theo Walcott, you can't say, yeah, yeah, chances are we're going to let him go because that weakens your hand uh, when it comes to negotiating a deal for him. So uh, I wouldn't read a huge amount into that. True. Very true. All right. Anything else catch your eye, football-wise? No. no, Another man sacked. Did you see that? Uh, The Watford manager. Kike Sanchez-Flores sacked, gone, leaving at the end of the season. Goodbye, Dr. House manager. Ruthless. Yeah. Absolutely ruthless from Watford. Um, What do you think their thinking is, really? Because they've had a reasonable season, haven't they? uh, They're on course to finish. They could finish as high as... 11th, I think, mm-hmm. if, if results go for them on the final day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I mean, that you know, it's part of their model, isn't it? They change managers an awful lot. It, it's what helped, look, it played a part in them getting promoted, I guess. Right. You know, they, they had about three managers in their promotion season. Yeah. And um, 
It's the way they work, those potzos, those crazy potzos. But I do feel for House. But at least he's got, you know, the TV career to fall back on. Yeah, this is very true. And he can always just hook up again with Stephen Fry if uh, if things well, don't exactly. go well. Um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic uh, is leaving PSG. I arrived as a king, I leave as a legend. Wow. I mean, really, I, I think it's his humble, self-effacing nature that people most like about him. Definitely. Mm. Definitely. His humility is his greatest quality. Yeah. Uh, did we do Martinez sacked yesterday? I don't think we did, did oh, we? I don't think we properly did, no. No. I mean, I, I will come out and say that I, Wigan thought Martinez was an extremely promising manager. Um, and, you know, I, I think I've talked about him in terms of as a potential Arsenal manager at several points. And obviously, uh, he's really proved me wrong, <laughs> Everton. Um but sometimes you've got to hold your hands up to that. I do think he's a guy who brings the best out of... I mean, some, the funny thing is, although he's not nearly on the same level, his strengths and weaknesses are not that dissimilar to Arsene Wenger. He's quite good at talent identification. He's good at developing attacking talents, but he's not brilliant at organising a defence. And I think when you're at that level of club, that's a real issue. And his results this season have been mm. really poor, considering the squad... They've got, you know, some yeah. brilliant players there. The, yeah, they really do. And uh, it just strikes me that he is a guy who probably needs a Peter Taylor alongside him the way that Brian Clough did. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good That's a very good point. Mm. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't think... I think he'll come back as a manager. I think he'll recover from it. Mm. But uh, it's clear where the, the, the problems in his style of management are. If you look at Wigan's defensive record and Everton's defensive record. Yeah. Um, it can't be coincidence. Uh, do you know what I've been reading just before we finish this part is, I don't know, have you read it, Pep Confidential? The inside story of his, yeah, his first season at, at Bayern Munich. Um, fascinating book. Really, really fascinating book into just his approach, the way he looks at football, the way he trains his teams, what he expects from them, what he expects from his staff, the medical staff, all those kind of things. Um is really, really, really interesting. He spends so much time looking at the opposition and how they're going to play. Um, you know, he's, he's briefing his team for a game against Mainz. You know, and you're thinking, well, would Arsene Wenger do that? Would he be like, okay, well, look, this is a detailed uh, dossier on how Burnley are going to play. I don't mm. know that. I don't know that he would. But of course, each manager, each manager has their own approach and their own way of doing things. But it is a, a fascinating. Uh, insight into into the way Pep Guardiola's mind works, and it's little wonder that he can last uh, only about three four years at a club before he, you know he has to take a break uh, or yeah. change his scenery. It's uh, it's well worth a read. Meticulous in the extreme, I gather. Mm, yeah, it, it's very good. Anyway, we'll leave it there, will we? For part one, come back with questions and stuff in part two. Sure. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to the Arscast Extra Part 2, where we answer the questions that you've sent to us. Just uh, thank you uh, for listening all week long. It's uh, very much appreciated. Hope you've enjoyed the shows. And if you did, please check out our sponsors. If you want to do shaving stuff, cornerstone.co.uk forward slash arseblog. £10 off, money back guarantee, and it'll shave you closer than... What's a close shave? Something... Oh, I mean, I don't know. Close shaves, like that time I crossed Tottenham Court Road and nearly got hit by a lorry. Exactly. Closer than that. And if you would like an audiobook, a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial to Audible, just go to audibletrial.com forward slash Arsecast. You can check out whatever you like there in terms of audiobooks, thrillers, sports, erotic books. I'm sure there are erotic books out there. Oh, I, I hear. Yes. Uh, so check that out, audibletrial.com forward slash Arsecast, and uh, just on the final bit of eroticism in this uh, in this week of Arsecast's extras, uh, we got to say hi to Yuri, who's at mlinks underscore ninety two. He said, he, "I felt a bit sorry for James on yesterday's show because you were always the girl." Sure. So he photoshopped us into Brokeback Mountain. Lovely, so it's a great image, actually. Really is. The, it's look at your eyes. Material. Look at your eyes. I know. Yeah, I was so young in that in the in the original picture there. Yeah, but uh, you can see the love in my eyes. It's it's a beautiful image. Check it out. <laughs> All right. Well, look. Will we do some questions? Let's do some questions. Yeah? All right. Um, you can go okay, first. I'll go first. I said assumptively. Yeah. This is the big one. Are you ready? Yeah. I don't know if you're ready for it yet, but you're oh, going to get okay. it. Okay. Anyway. All right. Okay. I'll try. Okay, it's from Yan Utan. I like that name. Mm. Sounds like orangutan. Yeah, it's good. And they ask transfer window predictions. <laughs> Players in and out, gross and net spend. Oh my goodness! Fucking hell. Okay, I'm gonna have to. Um, I have to work this out here a little bit. Okay, tra- um, how many players in? Is that what we're doing? It says transfer transfer window predictions, players in and out. I mean, we don't have to necessarily name individuals, I guess, and gross and net spend. And it says remember it says remember to take notes. He doesn't want us forgetting this. Okay. He's gonna come back to haunt us. Yeah, true. What I'll do is uh, I'll we'll do this bit and then I will get what we said. I'll get it tattooed on the inside of my arm. Like a memento or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. So when I go, Oh wow. In August, when the transfer window closes, we're going, ah, oh, fuck, I lost that thing. Okay, so players in. The, I'm, I don't know who, but I'm going to say five players in. Okay. Five players in for a grand total of... A grand total of spending of... Ooh, £114 million. Pounds. Ooh, that's a lot of money. It is a lot of money. But I'm also going to say 
players out. Are we including Arteta, Flamini and Rosicki in players out because they're they're out of contract? Um, I, I don't know. We we can we either can or can't include them. I, I'm flexible on well, that. Make a decision. Come on. Oh, right, let's include, them. Let's let's include them. them. So those that's at least three going out, and I reckon another three. Okay. Going out. And we're going to bring in from those three thirty two million pounds. Okay. So that gives us a net spend of one hundred and fourteen minus thirty two, which is, of course, says desperately trying to uh, break out his calculator here. Gosh, I wish I was Rain Man. Then I'd know how to do this immediately. £82 million. So that's mine. £82 million net. All right, so come on. What have you got? Right. I'm going to... Okay, I think we're going to bring in three players. Three players? Just three. Okay. And I'm going to say a total cost of £90 million. £90 million. Yeah. Okay. And then I think seven players are going to leave. Seven? Okay, that's yeah. fine. Okay, seven are going to leave. That includes the three? Yeah. How much are we going to get for those seven players? You're going to get four. Oh, hang on. Ooh. Yeah, you're going to get 50 million pounds. 50 million pounds? No, 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 no. 45, 45. 45 million pounds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So you're thinking, some, you're be... thinking somebody's big is leaving. That's what that sounds like to me. You reckon someone mm. big is going to leave? Well. Mm. What do you know? What do you know? And then, <laughs> and then uh, that what's that going to be? That's going to be a total of forty-five million pounds. That's a net spend of forty-five million, and I've got a net spend of eighty-two million. So one of us glasses is half full. Yeah, I don't know which one. I'd love it if we spent eighty-two million pounds. Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. Uh, five players, you said. What? What? Just for my own interest, what positions did you have? Did you have positions for them? Uh huh. Midfield, uh, central midfield player, striker. Yeah. yeah. Um. Wide forward. Mm. Full back. Mm. Center half. Wow. That's what I'm reckoning. So mine was basically the same list. Well, I had a striker, a holding midfielder, a, an attacking midfielder or wide forward, I guess a kind of a Wobie-esque player. Mm. And then I think like the defence is going to go unattended to. <laughs> That's my... I don't think fear. so, because I think one of our departures is going to be Kieran Gibbs. Kieran Gibbs. So we need a left-back. If Kieran Gibbs goes, we definitely need a left-back, yeah. Yeah. And we're I already mean, after that Bolton lad. So, yeah, I guess. But, you know, we'll see. I mean, look, we'll see. I've been conservative. I've been conservative. I'm hoping to be wrong. Yeah, well, I, I hope you are too. But I can understand why you would err on the side of conservatism. 
but maybe this summer of all summers is when we uh, we push the boat out. I'd love it. I'd love to see it. Mm. All right. And the problem is if you if you think we're buying a top class striker, that's fifty million quid probably. <laughs> I don't know that we're necessarily going to buy a top-class striker. I think we're going to buy a striker, but maybe not a like what what you would consider an established top-class striker. Mm-hmm. I I doubt we're going to buy that player, but I do think we're going to buy a striker. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Maybe we'll buy that Russian we've been linked with a million times. Do you know the guy I mean? Oh, Gorbachev. Yeah, Gorbachev. That's it. Mm. Uh. What, what is his name? Cochrane. Cochrane. Alexander Cochrane, um, who was linked, I think, right on deadline day last season. There's a very... No, I'm not going to say it, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, uh, we, we've done the... Um, we've done the... Uh, what's the word? We've, we've done the predictions. We've Have done we it. We've done it. We will stand and fall by these predictions come the transfer window close in... Uh, in August or early September, whenever it might Whoever's be. Whoever's the most wrong at the end of the window. Yeah. Sacked from the podcast forever. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, this one comes from the FPL Lemming, at FPL Lemming, uh, who is a lemming wearing shades. Cool. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, he wants to know, should we have poached Leicester's fitness team as well? Not one serious injury all season. Hashtag sad shad. Well, I mean, Leicester, you've got to remember, went out of all the cup competitions pretty early on, didn't have, uh, you know, uh, European football to contend with. Uh huh. They also had some fairly, uh, I mean, it's quite unusual, but Arsene Wenger, in fact, Arsene Wenger, Claudio Ranieri, uh, gave the players two days off after most games. Right. Um, which is pretty uncommon. And it's pretty much impossible, in fact, in uh, in the Premier League, given the, the amount of games you, the bigger clubs play. Mm. Um, they did have some interesting techniques. I mean, when Jamie Vardy was recovering from a thigh problem, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was it was some sort of chamber that they put him in that managed to heal him really fast. I think it's science fiction stuff, to be All honest. Right. I think it's alien technology they okay. used. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they did very well to manage the injuries of their players and keep them fit as much as they did, but I think they had a lot going for them in that respect. Yeah. Have, have things been any better or worse at Arsenal this year? So what you're saying is that we haven't really seen how good the Leicester fitness team are until we see them, uh, A, play a full season uh, in Europe, having to deal with European football, which, of course, they're going to have to deal with next season in the Champions League, uh, FA Cup, Carling Cup, etc., etc. Uh, you know, playing playing midweek a lot. This is You're, you're remaining a little bit sceptical. Basically, yeah. I, I do think that they were able to focus fully on the Premier League and manage their players accordingly. Right. I think when they've got a more hectic schedule, then things might be trickier for them, yeah. All right. That seems uh, reasonable. But, but never that, I mean, what I'm trying to work out now is what's, over the course of the season, what have Arsenal's fitness problems been like? I mean, they've been pretty bad this year, haven't they? We've had a lot of injuries. Mm. Long injuries. Yeah. Major injuries to key players. But have we, yeah, I mean, it's difficult to, to say that things have been any better because you look at Coquelin was out, Cazorla's been out, Wilshire's Alexis. missed the whole season, Alexis was out, Welbeck was out, Oxlade-Chamberlain uh, in and out of the side through injury. Who else? Anyone else? Uh, 
Arteta. Rosicki. Yeah. You know, that's a lot of players to miss from a squad. So regardless of what you think of whether those players could have contributed or not, perhaps other players who were fit might have been able to do something. So I think, yeah, the, the squad has been affected by injury. Petr Cech talked about it yesterday. He reckons that injuries have played a, a significant part, although we got a bit tired in January, February, March. I mean, weirdly, the one area of the pitch where we've been absolutely fine really is defence. Mm. If you look at Petr Cech, he had that one injury, but still 41 appearances. Um, you know, Per Mertaka, 37 appearances. Laurent Koscielny, 43. Yeah. Uh, you know, Hector Bellerin, 43. Nacho Monreal, 44. Like, uh, they've all been fine. Mm. Um, and I think we have seen some benefit of that. I know we've had problems with the defending at times, but... I've I've enjoyed having a back four for the most part, or certainly for the first half of the season that you could name off the top of your head, and that yeah. got used to playing with each other. I actually think once we destabilised that by kind of rotating Mertesacker and Gabriel, I think we were a little less settled. Um, so obviously, fascinating to see what happens with that next yeah. season. All right, okay, your question. My question. Um, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Uh, oh, I like this one. It's 2-0 up against Aston Villa and we've got a penalty in the 89th minute. Both Rosicki and Arteta are on the field. Who do you want to take it? Oh, who do I want to take it? I think I'd like Rosicki to take it. Really? Yeah, because I like Arteta too. Um, and he has taken penalties before and has taken them very well, taken some really high-pressure penalties for the team down the years. Um, maybe they could do the maybe they could do the the uh, the Messi Neymar thing the Perez yeah. the Perez Henry thing that they got it so wrong so they could both be part of a final goal. It would be nice for Rosicki, I think, to to score uh, on his on his final game. I, I genuinely hope that both those players get a run out. I hope that the the manager includes them in his squad, and I hope that the circumstances of the game allow them to come on and play a few final minutes at home because, uh, you know, they're both good guys, good players uh, who haven't been able to contribute quite as much as they would have liked. Uh, but I think they're, they're two guys who deserve a lot of respect for what they did uh, during their time at the club. Rosicki's hugely popular. One of the players, I feel, uh, we had a question there the other day and I meant to get to it, but, you know, maybe make up an Arsenal 11 from players who didn't quite make it. And I won't say that Rosicki didn't quite make it, but, you know, if we'd had 10 years of a fully fit Rosicki, wow, I think we would have, you know, we'd be talking about him in, in much more reverential terms uh, than we do right now. So, yeah, I, I, I'd i like Rosicki to take it, but if Arteta took it, I wouldn't have a problem with that either. What, what's your preference? Uh yeah, probably Rosicki would edge it for me. I'd love to see him score a final time. Um, I mean, this isn't a question that I've been asked specifically or that I can find at any rate, but what do you think the lineup will be for Villa at the weekend? Do you think it will be you know, our strongest side or do you think some of these guys will be named in the, in the 11? What do you think? I think he might start Wilshire. I think he might mm. maybe... I don't quite know. I mean, I think he's he's going to bring back Ozil, isn't he? I mean, it is a game we need to win because um, if things go our way uh, with Newcastle and Tottenham, um, maybe we can finish second. And I think that should be our aim. I think that's the way that we've got to approach the game. But uh, stack the bench with these guys and right. 
you know, make sure that if if you can give them an opportunity to play. I think he might make a couple of little changes, all right, but nothing too significant. Um, and then after, if if we can do it, bring those guys on. So, okay. Mm. Um, I'm going to do another question. I know I'm on a roll. Oh, that's okay. But because it was on the subject of penalties, Raymond Herlihy at Raymond Herlihy asks only one penalty in the league all season. What the actual fuck is that all about? Don't know. Though I can't remember. I mean, I can't remember too many where we were screaming for a penalty either, though, where we felt hard done by. I remember there was one. I remember Bellerin got hauled down in one game at home, and how we didn't get a penalty was beyond me. Yeah, I have a memory of a handball as well that we should have had at some stage. Yeah. Yeah. Fully aware. I mean, maybe you could say, well, referees having given us the decisions that we should have got, but that's not necessarily my my feeling about mm. the the lack of penalties we have maybe maybe it's more difficult to get penalties when you're you're trying to play into a packed penalty area does that make sense whereas if you're uh, breaking behind a defense and th- there's a uh, you're getting well, Jamie into Jamie Vardy wins a lot of penalties doesn't yeah, he yeah I mean, he does he does yeah uh, because he dives quite a lot that'll help but also Leicester I think have had more penalties than any other team and that is partly because they are running in behind probably more often than, than mm. Arsenal are. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it's... over the top sometimes. Yeah, I don't think it's any big conspiracy, to be perfectly honest. I think the number of penalties Leicester have got this season is a bit ridiculous. But again, that's down to perhaps the way that they play and also the fact that Vardy pretty much every time has, has dived well, apart from that one time when he didn't and then got yeah, sent and off. And likes to tumble as well. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe if we've got more players who are willing to take players on in the box rather than pass it sideways and backwards, maybe that would win us more penalties. What do you think? Who knows? Could well be. All right, uh, Relaxed Cashew, who is Mm -hmm. at Relaxed Cashew, wants to know, after yesterday's discussion, who do you reckon the least banterous player in the current squad is? The least banterous? Yeah. Um, Okay, good question. I'm having a look and I'm having a think. Yeah, do that. Uh, I mean, I, I feel bad saying it, but Ozil always pops into my mind. Yeah. For for all his brilliance, he's, I wouldn't describe him as a charismatic. Injury. I mean, Aaron Ramsey as well. Very dry. Yes. Very dry. Yeah, Ramsey's up there. I'd say Gabriel also. I'm not sure he necessarily understands, though. I sure. think it's more to do with not understanding. In my head, Gabriel sort of speaks like a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what about Callum Chambers? Or is he part of the Oxlade Chamberlain banter bus? Oh, I think he's. I think uh, Chambers is is well in there with his right, okay. with his stuff. Did you see the video? There was a video of um, Serge Gnabry and Danny Welbeck asking each other questions. So it's like uh, Brazilian Ronaldo or. Or Cristiano Ronaldo, those right, kind of okay. things. So make your choices. And uh, Welbeck asks him, "What what's your favourite um, pizza topping? Gnabry goes, ham and pineapple. And the look on Welbeck's face is fucking outstanding. Really? Like, yeah, it's just like, oh, oh, fuck, I've got nothing to say to that. So, Jay, I'm pretty sure you'll find it on the Arsenal YouTube channel. Oh, check it out. Yeah, so do. Uh, so I reckon Gnabry might just be... A little bit on the dry side as well. But yeah, if you had to do a top three, I reckon it'd be Gabrielle, Ramsey, and 
Yeah. Don't know about El Nene yet. Yeah. Though it's too soon to say. No, Monreal's well in there. Monreal will be well, well, well up for it. He did that video of he put an orange in the fridge, man, with a oh, keepy. Oh yeah, he's mental, mate. He's yeah, mental. It doesn't get any more crazy than that. Fair point. Ospina. Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine he's a bag of laughs, really. <laughs> no, no. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they'd be in there. I mean, Ramsey's unbelievable. Every time I see Aaron Ramsey interviewed, I can't decide if he is the most boring man alive or just absolutely hates the media and refuses to give them anything. My suspicion is that it's the first one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. He says, I mean, he says things, doesn't he? Says things. Oh, he's heard things and he repeats those things yeah. sometimes. Yeah, well, we've gone out there and the, the grass was ever so green and, and the ball was ever so round. And <laughs> when you're playing football, you've got to run ever so fast and hard and we did that but we didn't do it well enough and sometimes when you do that nothing happens but then we've got to keep going we've got to put this behind us we've got to learn from it you know it's that kind of just stream of consciousness of nothing yeah so yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I fully agree alright uh, let's have this question this is from Jem Packer alright Enjoyed today's post, and that's on arsenal.com. Check it out about Arsenal's, Arsenal's proper, uh, potential contract extension. Uh-huh. Um, but whereas you said in the post that you think that uh, Wenger is insulating the fans from Kroenke, Jem believes that Wenger is insulating Kroenke from us, the fans. Thoughts? I don't quite know what that means. I think what he means is that what you implied in your post is that, that, in some ways, the manager is kind of protecting us from the problems of the owner. Mm-hmm. But I think what Jem's suggesting is that actually what the manager's doing is being a bit of a straw man to protect Kroenke. And that really, you know, that's where the... Uh, he thinks Kroenke is insulating us. Right. Does that make any sense? Have I gone completely mental here? Yeah, you've gone mental. I've got no idea what the fuck you're talking about, but I'll just, I'll touch on the point. My, on. What I'm trying to say is that Kroenke has little or no power, really. Right? The Arsenal mm. board have little or no power over mm. Arsene Wenger. And we've spoken about this before, that it's a weird dynamic, that the manager is the most powerful man at a football club ahead of the owner, ahead of the majority shareholder, ahead of the CEO, etc., etc. So I don't think that Kroenke can implement certain things or can act in particular ways because he knows that Arsene Wenger, um, he, he, he just can't do it while Arsene Wenger is there. My fear is that when Arsene Wenger goes, he can act with impunity. He can do what the fuck he likes. Now, he can, I suppose, in theory, do what the fuck he likes at this moment in time. But what he's allowed Arsene Wenger to do is for Arsene Wenger to manage in the way that he wants to manage without any question or without any challenge to his authority. And I think that's what Arsene Wenger is doing. I don't think Arsene Wenger is behaving in a way that is uh, insulating Stan Kroenke from fans. I don't think that's even a consideration for him. I don't think he thinks about protecting Kroenke. I think what he thinks about is, I'm allowed to do my job the way I want to do it and nobody can tell me otherwise. That's what I think. Do you think that Kroenke thinks, oh, let's keep Arsene in because, you know, he protects me in a way? 
Perhaps, perhaps. But I mean, what what reason does he have to fire him right now? You know, finances are good. Team is relatively successful in terms of, you know, if you step back and look at it objectively from a Premier League point of view, it's a it's a successful team in, in, mm. in terms of where it finishes every season. Finances are good, tickets are good, etc., etc. Um he's got no reason to right now. They might be thinking about it a little bit when, you know, we see what happens with season ticket renewals and all that all that kind of thing. There's an interesting sidebar. Uh, somebody on Facebook, it was uh, Michael Cartonen, uh, who, who said um, about the, the Arsene Wenger news this morning that maybe if uh, it's announced that Arsene Wenger is staying, that would have an effect on season ticket prices or season ticket renewals, rather, uh, and whether people are just kind of bored of it and whether they're going to renew or whether they're going to buy tickets. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I know a couple of people I've already spoken to who are not intending to renew for next year, but that's only anecdotal. Mm. I mean, there's usually a lot of demand for tickets, irrespective of what happens. Something that struck me when we were having that chat then about Arsenal, I know I completely screwed up the question, so sorry, Jeb, for that. But um, it's interesting in itself the way this story's played out. If you think of another club, if you took a, any you know random club in the Premier League, let's say... I don't know, Swansea. Mm-hmm. And a story kit was printed in the Times saying Swansea are going to offer their new manager, they're going to offer their manager a new contract. And you then asked the manager about that in a press conference. His reply would be something like, well, obviously, I'm not privy to what the board <laughs> do <laughs> and want and intend. If they would like to offer me a new contract, that would be great, but obviously that's their prerogative. Yeah. Whereas at Arsenal, you get a manager who says, no, that's definitively not true, and I know because I'm so embedded in the workings yeah, of the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of sort of odd in itself and kind of shows you how complex uh, and bound up the situation is. Mm. Yeah, that's very true, isn't it? It's interesting. Very interesting. Mm. Um, We have another one here. This one comes from Damon at Techie Day Moon, who uh, referred to the question we had yesterday about massaging seals. Yes, yes. And he has put together... Uh, how could I forget? Yeah, he's put together the, the definitive guide to how long it would take us. And it's so many numbers that I can't, I can't say it out loud. I don't know. Final massage time in hours looks like something to win like the Premier League to win all four competitions because you'd have to keep it going, wouldn't you? Couldn't just because oh, you'd lose Lord. your next game. But it's something like I don't know. It's well, I don't know. If anyone knows what 3.07446E plus 17 means in terms of hours, I, I don't know what that is. It looks too mathematical for me. But it's a bugajazillion, isn't it? A bazillion million, yeah. A quadrillion, trillion, squillion, bazillion, a lot of hours. We were right to turn that deal down from the uh, from the Earl of Hell who was dressed as a cat. You're right to do that. Extraordinary, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, I couldn't possibly. But uh, listen, we won't be doing it. And when when we don't win all four competitions next season, you'll know who to come to. Yeah. Come to us. Come to angry. us after all those hours. Yeah. You do exactly. it. You commit to those hours of massaging seals. All right. Uh, at Silent Gooner wants to know: replace that annoying voice presenting the team at the Emirates with the voice of your dreams. So stadium and answer, you can pick I mean, anyone. You, you're a voiceover artist, surely you would love to do that. Yeah, I'd love what to. That would be great. That would be great. Um, who else would be good? The guy from X Factor? Yeah. Do you know that sort of like, you know, better check! Yeah. That sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know. 
Hector Bellerin! I like that voice. Or we could get Matt Berry. That would be good, wouldn't it? Because he could go, Hector Bellerin. Yeah, I'd like that as well. Matt Berry as season uh, as the uh, stadium announcer. That would be excellent. He'd be great in character's toast. Yeah, I'd love that. Yeah. Um, who else would be good? I mean, I'd quite like to see Christopher Walken do it. That just for shits and giggles, that'd be a laugh. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. Um, uh, he's one of those guys, isn't he? Where um, a bit like Michael Caine, where everyone thinks they can do an impression of Christopher Walken, but ultimately you're just doing an impression of the best impression of Christopher Walken. I think Christopher Walken's now doing an impression of Christopher Walken. Yeah. Uh, I think it's got to that point. Yeah. It's got to that level. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I think probably someone who did a really accurate Christopher Walken, people be like, no, that's not him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because people are so accustomed to hearing a sort of particular version of his voice. Kevin Spacey, who we mentioned yesterday, does a very good Christopher Walken. Yeah, he does, actually. He's quite good at impressions. Who else could be? Yeah. Wheeling them out on chat shows. Yeah, he is good. Um we could get uh, Andre Arshavin. Maybe we could get him back. That'd be nice. Hello, he's a Hector Bellerin. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great to hear over the tannoy. Be brilliant. Um, yeah, I don't know. But they should mix it up, have someone new every week. Like, yeah. I don't know if i got news for you. You know, keep changing it over. Yeah. I'd like that. What about um, Kathleen Turner? Wow. What a great voice she had. Hector Bellerin. Yeah. That would be very cool. Mm. That would be very cool. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I'm frantically Googling, thinking who would I have? What are you Googling, like, good voices? Pretty much, mate. Right. It's pretty scientific. That would be good. Morgan Freeman. Oh, yeah. It'd take ages, though. Yeah. Uh, can you do Morgan Freeman? No, not really. No. No, I can't. I was going to try it. I was going to try it. No, no. I, no. no, I can't do it. No, I won't. Can't do it. Um, We've all seen Shawshank Redemption, you know. We all know how it goes. Yeah. I think he'd be good. It'd be like a sort of March of the Penguin style, endlessly. What about you know? Um, you know, someone like Patrick Stewart or the other guy? McKellen. Ian McKellen. The other guy. The other guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'd give it some uh, some gravitas, certainly. Today's team, number 24, <laughs> Hector Bellerin. Hector Bellerin, I think, is one of the more fun names to say we've seemed to have established. yes. Or per motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. That would be good. All right. I, mean, uh, I don't uh, mean to... The, the guy does it, you know. He's all right. Let's not knock him too much. Yeah, I think he's fine. Follows me on Twitter. You've, you've got to be careful these days. Yeah. Don't want to burn those bridges. No, that's it. Otherwise, how am I ever going to get to sit in the little booth where they announce the team? It's yeah. my lifelong dream. All right. Um, at Gunner, Gun XRS says... Who is your favourite player or team to play with on FIFA? Ooh. Truthfully, yeah. um, I quite like playing as Dortmund. Why? There you go. Fun to be. And I like uh, Aubameyang. It's really, I mean, he's just so ever so fast on FIFA. Well, this is one of my big fears about when Theo Walcott leaves Arsenal. Yeah. You know, as much as, much as I have a problem with him as a footballer, my first pick on the right-hand side in FIFA because he's, he's just, like, fast. super fast. This is it. Super fast. I never... I, mean, I, I assume we mean aside from Arsenal. I'd rather be Arsenal, but if I had to be another team... Oh, yeah. Right. No, but just who you like to play with generally. I always oh, right. play with Arsenal. I never play with another team. But, like, if it, when I played football manager and championship manager, 
like, no, I don't want to bring fucking Bridlington Rovers from the Southern Northern Middle Conference division to the Premier League. I'm not interested. I don't care. I want to take over at Arsenal. I want to go in and stamp my own identity on the team by bringing in transfers like Kennedy Bakalogarulu, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Remember that best guy? Best player in the world. Yeah, yeah he yeah. was the best player. He got me 70 goals one season. It was amazing. But yeah. I only ever wanted to be Arsenal manager. I don't care about other teams. And I can't play FIFA with any other team. Just can't do it. So for me, there's a thing of, if I'm Arsenal on one of these computer games, there's a kind of added trauma if I lose. So that's sometimes why I avoid it. Right. What is I your, sort of, what's your lineup? Let's say you were uh, going to play a game of field. Oh, we have to do that, don't we? We were talking about yeah, doing that people thing are always on, banging on, about that. We've got on to do Twitch. We've got, got to, to do that. Okay, we'll do that. Once the season ends, that's fucking That's a good thing to do in the summer. Yeah, we'll do that. And um, we'll, we'll do it on Twitch or Snatch or whatever one of those things is. Um, so if you were going to play... Let's say we're playing Arsenal versus Arsenal right now, because mm. I think that's what we'd have to do, right? And I can pick any player, can I? Or we have to? Are we, are no. we allowed to use duplicates? No. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we we can pick the same team. But who? What would your starting eleven be? Well, I sort of have a bias towards a kind of realistic starting. Like I like to play often with the team that's the team at the moment, as far as possible. I don't know why, it's just some sort of strange glitch in my head. Right. So I would have Czech, I would have Bellerin, I would have Mertzsacker. Yeah. Rather than Gabriel, I'd have Koscielny. I'd have Monreal. This is where it gets a bit... That's my back four, yeah. This is where it gets a bit more interesting. Because now you've got options, haven't you? I would definitely... So I definitely would have... I'd probably have Coquelin and Ramsey. Right. Mm. Okay, so you've got a, you've got uh, a double pivot there. Is that what you're saying? In your central yeah. midfield, you've got yeah. you've got Coquelin and Ramsey, and then what? An attacking midfielder ahead? Yeah, Özil ahead. Right. Uh, and then I often will play Danny Welbeck. Yeah. After hop. And then I'll probably put Theo Walcott right hand side if I was trying to really get at you. Yeah. And, and on the left, <sighs> choices. I might force Santi Cazorla out there. Where is Alexis? Oh, Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez. Oh, my word. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Alexis. Mine, sorry, my, he's already gone in my head. Yeah. My, <laughs> my front three is exactly the same. Alexis left, well back down the middle, Walcott on the right-hand side. My midfield is slightly different to yours. What's your midfield? My midfield is Aaron Ramsey mm. as the holding midfield player. Mm. And then I have uh, Ozil and Cazorla as my two central yeah. midfielders. That's nice because all is the one missing, but yeah. it's tricky, isn't it? You can't, you can't win them all. You need a player who can tackle in there. Yeah, but, but um, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. All right, we're going to do that. We will do that. We'll get a, a FIFA game that we, you can all watch and consider that a guarantee. Yeah, you can laugh at us. We'll have to get like headsets and microphones and stuff so people can hear us. Oh, that works off your um, your little uh, earphones and stuff, doesn't it? Like your yeah, 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 yeah. Should yeah. be fine. We can Should do that. Fine. Brilliant. We'll do that. All right. Well, look, uh, people have got that to look forward to this summer as well as the European Championships. What a feast wow. of football. Even pick, even pickings, I reckon, Absolutely. for those two things. All right. Okay. Well, listen, um, thank you, James, for being here throughout the week. Um, oh, my pleasure. Thanks a- for having us. Thanks for all the questions that kept us going. Yeah. 
Much appreciated. It's been great. So thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week. I've seen people say, you should do this every week, but no. We, we, we can't really commit to that, unfortunately. I haven't got enough words in my head. Yeah, it has been fun, though. It's been interesting, um, and it's kind of flown by. So I hope you enjoyed the week. Thanks very much indeed for listening, and we'll catch you on Monday to talk about the final day of the Premier League season. So until then, have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.